0: Welcome to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints.
1: Face off to Jari's right. Carter pushes it through Suzuki. Penguins have a two-on-one off the draw. It's Carter with McGinn. Carter down the right side, across for McGinn. Shoots, he scores! Brock McGinn goes! He stays red-hot, and the Penguins go up 4-3 with 5.58 to go. Cooley up through center for Hoffman. Hits Dock with speed, right wing over the line near circle, back in front, Hoffman shoots and scores! <laughs> Mike Hoffman ends the game for Montreal as they take it 5-4 in overtime. Here's a turnover, and Crosby comes in for Pittsburgh on the backhander. He scores! There's that patented backhand shot from the captain. And Matt Murray stands no chance. 3-2. Left wing for Giordano into the Pittsburgh game. Archibald first there, blasts it all the way down with 20 seconds left. As Murray's again out of his net to play the puck. Sandine will take it from him behind the cage. State near side passes forward for Kerfoot flips it ahead for Bunting, hopped over his stick, he'll retreat back into his own zone, hands it off to Sandine. skates to the near corner, and the final seconds will tick off this clock as the Maple Leafs even the season series with Pittsburgh. They take this one by a 5-2 final. 20 seconds on the five on three. Here's Malkin to Russ, back up top to Malkin, into the center point, right side to Crosby, holding it, into the center point, Letang shoots and scores! A PPG for PGH as Latang hammers that past Gustafson, and it's 3-2. Jeff Carter will take the draw to the left of Philip Gustafson. Penguins in front, and they are going to win this game. It's just a matter of the time ticking off the clock, and it will. And Pittsburgh begins this three-game road trip with a big two points here in St. Paul as they defeat the Wild by a final score of 6-4. Here we go, the most important thing. I think that you know there was a lot to like about the game. We still have some lapses in the game where, where uh, we hurt ourselves, so to speak. Uh, we got to continue to work at getting better at that, at, that, uh, at those cir- circumstances. For a lot of the night, we really liked our game, and uh, you know, obviously, when you when you score that many goals, it it helps your chances. But
2: who says Penguins don't fly? By the time this weekend is over, the Penguins will have played 13 of their first 19 games on the road with four back-to-backs. When they're not in the air, well, they're kind of treading water. Good morning and welcome to Penguins Live Weekly with Brian Metzer. I'm Paul Steigerwald. Wayne Gretzky-Anderson is at the controls. Good morning, Mets. The Pens have 17 points in 17 games. That's 500 hockey, and they're just three points away from the wildcard spot in the standings.
3: Well, based on how things have gone to a certain extent in Good Morning Stag, I guess you can't complain too much about seven, seven, and three after what we saw for some of the games over the last couple of weeks. So I'll take it for now, but I can. I hope that the turnaround uh, is afoot.
2: I wish you could see Mets right now because it's like really hot in the studio this morning. I know, and Mets I'm is hot. wearing his coat. He's got a, <laughs> like like a sweatshirt style jacket on with a hoodie. And he's got his tassel cap on with a Steeler logo on it. I'm and burning a, up, and it looks like he's like channeling the people in Western New York right now.
3: I wanted to feel their pain, you know. I, it's <laughs> kind of what we do, you know. You just want to. I know they're going through some tough times, so we want to. We want to experience it with them.
2: Well, as Bill Purcell once said, "You are what your record says you are," and that's the case with the Penguins. They're still very much a work in progress. Three one and one in their last five. One one and one this week with another back to back looming this weekend. And you know things are looking up, Matts, when Chris Latang scores a power play goal.
3: Well, isn't that for sure? I mean, he had his probably his most productive night as a power play shooter, too. He had two shots on goal in the last game. That pushes him to, I think, maybe eight power play shots on the season. He only had six, I think, going into that into that evening. So uh, it's something he he's been reluctant to do, and you can't score on the power play if you don't shoot on the power play. So hopefully that's a good sign as well, because the goal that he did score the other night, a thing of beauty. Yeah, and by the way, he did shoot
2: the puck just like that on the power play against Toronto. And so I'm thinking, okay, Latang's starting to get into that groove now, shooting the puck. And sure enough, it paid off in the five-on-three when he scored that goal. Teddy Bluger is back, and the fourth line is definitely better for it, I would say. Uh,
3: Once again, I mean, that's an astute observation by you. I love the way that that they played the the game together. I mean, you had Archibald, Bluger, and uh, Ryan Paling who... Might be the biggest revelation of the season, earning a job and staying in the lineup even whenever people got healthy, and they scored a really pretty goal against Minnesota as well. And and I I know I've been saying it, but I think having Blueger back is going to help the PK. It's going to help someone like Jeff Carter not have to log as many minutes. Uh, Bluger quickly became the leading PK uh, forward in terms of minutes in that in that last game of the week.
2: I was worried about him because, you know, he would practice and then not play, practice and not play, and he started thinking, well, he must have some symptoms. There must be something that's keeping him from getting to that next level. And then I was concerned, like, what's going to happen when he plays a game or two? Mm -hmm. Like, is he going to have some other kind of a setback? Hopefully that is not the case because I'm knocking on wood right now in my head, actually. (laughs) I think he's an important player.
3: He really is. And, I mean, just what we talked about, I mean, I I think – it's going to add to the PK His defensive work when he's healthy and playing the way we know he can is definitely top notch can go up against any top forward in the league and, and do a nice job against them. So for me, I, I, I was thrilled to get him back finally. And, and as you mentioned, it was odd to see him. You'd see this footage of him flying around, uh, in his pre skate workout, you know, working with the trainers and everything. You're like, boy, tonight could be the night and it never was. So as soon as we said that, I think in a post game show, the next day, he was out, and he was back in the lineup. So maybe maybe we sparked it, Stag They heard us.
2: I hope so. Um, how about Jari? He finally got a win. He had gone several games without getting one. Uh, and his game, I think, is a reflection of the team's game overall, or maybe it's the other way
3: around. I'm not sure. Probably the way I said it the first time. Yeah, I, I think that they are in a mode now where they can put together very solid stretches throughout an evening so that you get a great period or you get a great... Ten minutes, something like that. And Jari has looked the same way because he started to have a goal or two creep into his game where you're like, ah, oh, he probably wants that one back. But then he goes out and he faces 20 plus shots in a period and is magnificent. So uh, I think bigger than anything, even though there was maybe a goal or two that he'd want back against Minnesota the other night, getting a victory for himself based on how the week had gone where DeSmith was back played back to back games, Jari came in and lost, they went back to DeSmith and then back to him where he could then be the stopper which he was and he got them on the winning track so maybe that is something as big as anything for his confidence.
2: Penguins are in Winnipeg tonight. It'll be Gino's 999th game. Wow.
3: Just crazy to think about this, right? I mean, we've seen Sid hit all these milestones. Gino got here a season later and uh He's hitting the milestones, and just think when both of them could have hit 1,000 games stag if not for the injuries that they've sustained in their career. But, I know. But it's it's right around the corner for Gino, and it also magnified the fact that Phil Kessel played 1,000 straight the other night, first player in NHL history, when you think about how long it took these guys to hit 1,000 games played. That is
2: really a good point. I wonder what they'll do for Gino in Chicago tomorrow night. Boo. <laughs> probably be. No, it, and I, what I, will the Penguins do? They're no, players, I know, but, but i saying they always Chicago have fun people. with that.
3: No, I think they will. I mean, it. what will be awesome about this stag is it'll go to Chicago, have the recognition probably of it being mentioned, and he'll get some applause. And then Wednesday night, Thanksgiving Eve, they will do something on home ice to recognize Geno's 1,000th game. And let's knock on wood again because we just talked about the injuries with this team. We don't want to jinx him and, oh, and have yeah. him like, well, you know, Geno's got to wait for 1,000. So I'm taking it back. I'll wait and see. But I think the true recognition will happen Wednesday, but they'll, they will definitely acknowledge it.
2: We'll have the highlights of all three games this week, discuss the various reasons why the Penguins are a 500 team after 17 games. And we'll have a visit from an old friend who is now working for the hottest team in hockey. It's another hour of spirited Saturday morning hockey talk on the Penguins' radio network presented by s Bank.
4: Jim Shorkey gives Pittsburgh's best hockey fans a Kia hat trick. Price, value, and warranty. Kia inventory is back in stock, including 2022 Kia Forte, Soul, K5, Sorento, Sportage, Carnival, Telluride, and more. Or pre-order now and get it exactly how you want it. With trade values higher than ever, the time to upgrade is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day proud sponsors of the Pittsburgh Penguin. Experience the best of Kia at shortykia.com. Let's go Pens! Hey Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the National Anthem at a Pens game? Glidden Paint on Your Walls. Glidden Premium Interior and Exterior Paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: As the official security provider of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vector Security is invested in the success of the entire western Pennsylvania area. If you run a business here, they understand your primary focus is serving your customers. And a big part of that is making sure that your customers, your employees, and your inventory are all safe and secure. Vector Security can help. Schedule a free business security health check today, and one of their local security experts will assess your needs. Visit them online at VectorSecurity.com pens to learn more. Stop by
0: Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint. Located at Section 206 in PPG Paints Arena and with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com. If there's a better place for world-class outdoor adventure or a better place to take in top-rated fall colors, we haven't seen it, but you should see it. It's all right here in West Virginia. Plan your fall trip at wvtourism.com. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG
2: Paints. This is Penguins Live Weekly. We're here every Saturday morning to take a look back at the week that was for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this week began in the same place it will end tonight, in Canada. The Penguins were looking to avenge an earlier overtime loss to the Montreal Canadiens in the second of back-to-backs. Things were looking good when Gino lit the lamp to give the Penguins a one goal lead early in the third.
1: Played there by Petrie out through center, bounces down to the Canadian zone. Zucker gives chase with Harris, wins the puck battle, right circle for Malkin on the backhand, shoots, he scores! Gino Machino puts the
5: Penguins back on top!
2: But little did we know how tenuous that lead was. Nick Suzuki scored for the Habs 50 seconds later to tie it. And the Penguins got another short-lived lead just under 10 minutes later.
1: Face-off to Jari's right. Carter pushes it through Suzuki. Penguins have a two-on-one off the draw. It's Carter with McGinn. Carter down the right side, across for McGinn, shoots. He scores! Brock McGinn goes top shelf over Allen. He stays red hot. And the Penguins go up 4-3 with 5.58 to go.
2: (laughs) That lead lasted only 40 seconds because Sean Monahan scored a power play goal with Chris Latang in the penalty box, the game went to overtime, and the Penguins once again settled for just one point in Montreal.
1: Hooley up through center for Hoffman. Hits Doc with speed, right wing over the line, near circle, back in front. Hoffman shoots and scores! Mike Hoffman ends the game for Montreal as they take it 5-4 in Overtime.
2: This kind of speaks to how the season has gone for the Penguins. If you remember the night before, the Penguins uh, held the Leafs to four shots. I believe the shots were 7-4 in the third period. They completely shut the game down, protected the lead, and won the game. And we're talking about how great it was that they did that and how they wanted to go out and do it again. Yep. And then now you're playing a different team. You're playing the Montreal Canadiens, a quick, fast team, well-rested. The Penguins are in the second of back-to-backs. And uh, what happens, they allowed 35 shots on the start of the second period till the overtime winner in that game. Just goes to show you, Matts, it's a different story every night. And uh, that's kind of the beauty of hockey in some ways. It's, it's not always going to be a case of you dictating how the game is going to go.
3: No, I mean, there are two teams out there. And the way I think Montreal showed the Penguins in the first meeting of the season that you couldn't take them lightly. I mean, they roared back in that one. The Penguins maybe had an undeserved two-goal lead at the time, and they found a way to tie it up and win that game in overtime. And this one, they just wouldn't go away, and they kept coming at the Penguins in waves again. And when you have a team like that that's hungry, that has that young speed, and guys that are trying to make a name for themselves in the league, first of all, you you got to find a way to stay out of the penalty box, which the Penguins didn't, so they had to kill a lot through this hockey game which was problematic. Um, Power play was huge for Montreal late, getting the Monaghan goal that you mentioned to get them a chance to win it. And I, I just, they were hemorrhaging opportunities against. And it's just a situation where you can't have that if you want to win a hockey game when you're up.
2: Nope. And I think, you know, you have to chalk up some of that to the fact that it was a second of back to back. So the Penguins have had to endure those here early in the season. The schedule has not been kind to them at all. No. They did get five of six points on the first leg of that road trip, and they actually kind of played another road game on home ice Tuesday night with a lone home game against the Leafs sandwiched between six road games.
1: Second period face-off brought to you by number one Cochran. It's Crosby against Matthews. It's loose right over that Penguin logo off the drop of the puck found by the Leafs. And Nylander gets it ahead to Matthews over the line. Two on one. Matthews across. Bunting shoots and scores. 11 seconds into the second period where we mentioned Michael Bunting. That's his first goal after being goalless in his last 10. And it's 3-0 Toronto.
2: And that goal was answered quickly by a tip-in for Ricard Raquel, and then the Penguins got a gift from the Leafs that led to a classic backhander by who else but Sidney Crosby against Matt Murray. There's
1: a turnover, and Crosby comes in for Pittsburgh on the backhander. He scores! There's that patented
2: backhand shot from the captain, and Matt Murray stands no chance. 3-2. That's as close as the Penguins could get. Another goal by Bunting with 50 seconds left in the period. Made it 4-2. They added an empty netter, and the Pens lost at home 5-2. It was an absolutely disastrous night for the Penguins'
3: top line. They've been struggling quite a bit defensively, Stagg. And when you looked at them in this one, I thought this was one of their worst defensive efforts that I've ever seen that line put together. Uh, Just no communication, misreading plays, going to the wrong areas, the Marner uh, goal comes to mind where the the top line, including Chris Letang, kind of put themselves all out of position where two guys ended up going to the wall. One guy stayed high. And by the time Letang and, and uh, Sidney Crosby could get back to try and make a defensive play, you have Mitch Marner putting the goal in. I mean, he's too gifted a player to leave alone in front. The face-off play where they lose the face-off to start a period and the defenseman makes a wrong read, leaves Chris Latang to deal with the two-on-one that resulted in the first bunting goal. I mean, there were just so many situations in this one that left you ripping your hair out. And if it left us that way, you know Mike Sullivan had to hate it. And the only good news was... I think the even though the Maple Leafs kind of walked away with an easier victory in terms of the score, maybe their coach felt some of the pain of Mike Sullivan when Rasmus Sandin made the mistake of just leaving a puck for Sidney Crosby in very similar fashion. So that was a good moment for the top line, but defensively, they were really bad in this one. And, you
2: know, I think it's kind of funny in a way when I hear them say, well, we've got to defend better. We're going to get our offense from defense. Like, it's a revelation. This has been going on for the, for as long as Mario Lemieux has been yep. a Penguin. This has been a Penguin thing. You know, it's like, okay. It's
3: in their DNA stack. It is. Yeah.
2: You know, but why do we have to talk about it every year like it's some new thing that they have to discover? I mean, it's just, it just makes me laugh because— I, I, I could go back and find you sound bites from the last 15 or 20 yep. years where you're going to talk be talking about the same thing.
3: You know, it's funny about that that you mention it that way. I remember when I was working for the Beaver County Times and I wrote an article uh, and I pulled a quote from Sid that I remembered, and I, I can't think of it right now, but it was to the point you're making, from two seasons prior, and it was after a game against the same team. And the quote, I plugged it in kind of in the lead that <laughs> I wrote, good. and then I said, Sidney Crosby did not say this tonight. He said it following a game, and it it matched up perfectly for what they dealt with that night against the same opponent because the same kind of teams do this to them again and again and again. And um, Do you think Staggit has something to do with the fact that they've been able to, at times, score themselves out of any jam almost the entire going back through Mario? I mean, they could just pile them up. But when you have to have those moments where the goals aren't coming you have to kind of get it into their minds that guys we got to tighten it up a little bit not not saying they have to trap or anything just play solid defense i mean half the time they have bodies back and they're just not covering it right in the zone that's what's more disappointing it's not even like they're giving up tons i mean the odd man breaks are there don't get me wrong but there are moments where they're just making a wrong read or a wrong communication and and you got two guys chasing behind the net or you and that's happened three, four times in the last two weeks where a defenseman and a forward go behind the net, two other ones go to the wall, and there's a guy wide open to score, Brandon Tanev, comes to mind with Seattle um, and a couple Mm -hmm. of these other goals. So it's funny, though, that you make that point because it's true. I mean, this is just something that the Penguins have dealt with for years, and I think that's part of it is they they know they can score themselves out of it most of the time, and it's not happening right now. And
2: these early and late goals of periods have been hurting him a little bit this year. I mean, that was absurd, 11 seconds in, you know.
3: Well, for me, it's early and late goals. It's also goals right after events. I mean, we've talked about that, too, where... We score uh, and yeah, then... It, yeah, the other night against Montreal, what, you blew a lead 50 seconds and 40 seconds. And you, know, you take a lead, give it right back. Take a lead, give it right back. And then you come out at the beginning of a period when you should have just been coached up and you should be ready to play that period, and you give up a goal 11 seconds in. Then you can't get to the room. Because in this one in particular, if you didn't give up the late goal to bunting at the end of the second... It's a one-goal hockey game, going to the third with the Penguins pressuring because they had Matt Murray under siege because we didn't even get to mention what they had 15 shots on him in the second period. So it is it is what it is, but it's frustrating. The good news <laughs> is
2: Teddy Bluger returned. So that was one yes. game he got under his belt before the Penguins
3: went back to the road, right? Completely agree. I, I think that's going to be a big benefit to them. And he's a kid that has some offense in his game. We pulled up his numbers from Shattuck where he had an 88-point season, I believe it was. That's not the NHL, so it's tough to see that translate. Still, but but uh, he, he he has a head for offense. He There's no doubt. more so than the typical defensive forward. It's not like he's uh gonna go out there and just be a selkie guy. I mean, he knows how to get in the offensive zone and it was as evidenced by the pass he made to Ryan Paling the other night, so which we're gonna talk about. But I think getting him back in the lineup is huge.
2: Pursuant to our discussion of the Penguins top line struggling defensively, Mike Sullivan made some not so unexpected changes for the Penguins next game, which was Thursday night in Minnesota. You put Raquel back on the top line with Sid and Jake and Rust back on the second line with Gino and Zucker, and the Penguins got two goals on just four shots of the first period. Brodeen
1: will find it behind the wild goal. Passes left side for Matt Boldy. Across he goes, right wing for Dewar, and it slides through center, collected by Crosby, and down the left side, snapper, scores! What a rocket off the stick of Sidney Crosby, down the left wing, over the left shoulder of Gustafson, and the Pens go up one zip. Wild get it back down in the Penguins' territory, here's Kaprizov right circle, snapper, missed the net, flutters up the right wing wall, chased after by Archibald, he'll motor out through center, over the line, right side, and the right circle for Bluger, across Palin, shoots and scores! How about that—a Minnesota trifecta! Archibald, the Bluger, to Paling to the back of the net, and it's two nothing Pens.
2: Great, not good. Great call by Josh Getzoff, Boy, hes, he's really—he's on fire right now. Sounds great, and uh, I agree with him. That Minnesota trifecta—that was something good, and that's a good nickname for it because all those guys have
3: ties to Minnesota, and uh, I like that line. I—I I was. Joking with you the other night, the entire broadcast was themed that way. You talked to Michelle about the Minnesota connection at the, in the pregame show. The boys went out and put that goal together. Josh with a great goal call. And it, and it's almost like it was all planned and they they set it up. So I love that play, too, the way they just broke in three on two. Quick little, you know, rabbit passes across. It was Archie over to Bluger, right to Paling and Earlier that night, he missed a great chance from the slot. He had a couple chances over the last few weeks where he had glorious looks and he wasn't able to finish. He had a, Even in this game, I think his stick broke on him on one of them when they drew this, <clears throat> the slashing call, shorthanded. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but this play by those three players gives you some nice hope for the fourth line, which they were already getting good energy from. If they can score goals like that, Stag, and get you a big one when you need it, I think that's going to go a long way. Tons.
2: Really a long way. Now, of course, <laughs> the 2-0 lead evaporated in the second period on goals by Brandon Duhain and Joel Erickson Eck, but the Penguins regained the lead with a much needed goal from number 58. 20 seconds on the five-on-three. Here's Malkin to Russ back up top to Malkin into the center point, right side to Crosby,
1: holding it into the center point. Letang shoots and scores. A PPG for PGH is Letang. Hammers that past Gustafson,
2: and it's 3-2. That was the first of two power play goals for the Penguins. First time they have done that in 15 games. Minute 18 on the IGS Energy power play. 4-8,
1: 14-18 rather, to go in regulation. Crosby over the line, left wing for Gensel. Carries, centers in front. Crosby, a shot, score! A
2: PPG for PGH, and the captain's got two. And it's 4-2, Pittsburgh in front. The Wild did not go away quietly. They got a shorthanded goal from Erickson Eck to cut the lead to to 4-3, but the Brock star did it again. Brock McGinn scored what proved to be the game-winner to restore the two-goal lead.
1: Zuccarello feeds it forward, hopped off the stick of Erickson Eck, and it's Heinen to McGinn over the attacking line. A Rister scores! Brock McGinn, his third goal in five games.
2: Right over the glove of Gustafson, into the back of the net, and the Penguins... Take the lead, 5-3. An empty netter from Jake Gensel made it 6-3. Wild got a late goal from Matt Dumba just to make it that much tougher for Tristan Jari to get that goals against down. The power play did come to life. The Penguins took advantage of some lousy goaltending at the other end, I think. Philip Gustafson, former Penguin prospect, did not look particularly good, I no. don't think, in the game. Nope. The Penguins were able to take advantage of that, and they got a lot of depth scoring. And, you know, secondary scoring, if you, if you consider the special teams goals, that, plus the goal from
3: the fourth line, that's good stuff. Thirteen players, uh, I believe, with points in this game, Stag, for the Penguins, so that was big. And... Gustafson just I mean that helps you know and you got to take advantage of those situations they if to. teams want to throw a goaltender in who's not their number one guy and in this Flurry case was out yeah injury. they were kind of forced to, to do it but they've had that happen a couple times this year I mean they've played the guy that's not the a number one for some of these squads and they don't they haven't always taken advantage of it I like that they did here Gustafson maybe had a couple he would have liked to have had back but the point is he still had to go out and score six, uh, and and they were able to do that in this hockey game. And Tristan Jari was able to take advantage of that as well. And you mentioned the power play waking up ten power play shots on goal in this game for the Penguins. So I, I really like that fact. And that was a when you consider that stag and the Penguins only had thirty two total in the game. That really magnifies the ten on the power play because there are many nights where they weren't getting that many or that much productivity from their extra man unit and this may have ended up being 23-24 shot outing. Getting that many getting that many looks on the power play allowed them to find a way to uh, beat the young Philip Gustafson, and that went a long way in this one. I didn't like some of the, the givebacks quickly in this one as well. You gave up a two-goal lead in 12 seconds, which is ugly, but this was one of those moments where you had some blemishes in which you overcame them, and I think that makes them prime for a better game tonight.
2: I would agree with that, and... uh you- Mike Sullivan would agree with our assessment of Teddy Bluger and what he means He's a guy that just
1: just is such a conscientious player, he's good in the face-off circle, he's a great penalty killer he's, um, you know, he's a sound defensive player it's hard to play against and, uh, and, he's, and he has an offensive uh, he has an offensive game as well so uh, I think he's a real important player for us, he plays really important minutes for us, we put him in tough situations all the time and he gets it done for us
2: Yes, he does. And Mike Sullivan, um, you know, pushing buttons again prior to that Minnesota game, switching those two guys on the right wing. And we got to get Brian Rust going because he's been struggling. He's he's not shooting the puck as much. I just don't feel like he's the force that he can be. And uh, when he gets his game back together, that's going to make a big difference. And when we return, a visit from an old friend who now works for the hottest team in the National Hockey League. And we'll bring him into the show in a minute on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by S&T Bank. As a Penguins radio partner for many years, I can tell you that ST Bank is a community bank that truly
1: cares about people. Whether you're a brand new customer or your family has been with ST since its start in 1902, the team is ready to exceed your banking expectations. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com. Learn how ST Bank supports its neighbors at stbank.com today. Remember, fdic it's
0: never too early to start thinking about the holidays so as you make thanksgiving plans leave some room at the table for the penguins the pens host the flames the night before thanksgiving and the leafs come to town that saturday
1: penguins control off the draw crosby down low to Russ deeks to on the forehand stop rebound gensel scores
0: get your tickets today and join us thanksgiving weekend season presented by upmc the turkey
6: is on the table
5: Life-changing is a nursing career where you have the power to take the lead and opportunities to make real change. Where you work alongside colleagues that care and see inspiration every day. Where you're celebrated for who you are and have the support you need for what matters most to you. Life-changing is being a nurse at UPMC. Explore your career options today at upmc.com nursing.
1: Some chefs have a secret ingredient. Well, we found the perfect secret ingredient, 7-Up. That's right, 7-Up has just the right balance of bubbles and flavor. That's why you can do a lot with it. Like 7-Up pancakes, cupcakes, guacamole, carnitas, and oh yeah, don't forget the cocktails. You can make 7-Up whiskey, sangria, margaritas, and much more. Go to 7up.com to find more recipes. Visit your nearest local retailer and pick up a 7-Up 20-ounce bottle. 7-Up is the official soda sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Do more with 7-Up. Please drink responsible. 7-Up is a registered trademark. Mark of Dr. Pepper, 7-Up Incorporated.
0: You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly,
2: presented to you by PPG Paints. Now, the Penguins are in Winnipeg tonight, but we're talking to a guy from New Jersey, and that would be Sam Kassan, who, of course, used to work with the Penguins and is now doing similar duties for the Devils. He's got a lot of responsibilities there, and he is having fun, a lot more fun this year than he was having the last couple because the New Jersey Devils have won 11 in a row and the only team ahead of them in the overall standings of the National Hockey League of the Boston Bruins. Sam, how much fun are you having? Welcome to the show.
6: Hey, Saggy, great to be here. I mean, it's, it's definitely been night and day from the last two and a half years or so here in Jersey. <laughs> but uh, this is what the team has been building for, and this is the the uh, this is what they foresaw this team being able to do. And you could see the potential. With these players and the team being built around them, and it's just nice to finally see it come together. Now, I'll admit, I didn't see it coming together this early in the season, this quickly right off the bat. But certainly, when these when these runs like this happen, you never know when they come and go in the National Hockey League. So you got to ride it out and enjoy
3: while it while Hey, Sam, it's Matt. Uh, thanks for being here with us. It's great to catch up with you again, my friend. We miss you here in Pittsburgh, but uh, we'll see you tonight, And uh, or we won't see you, we'll hear your work tonight. Um, when, when you look at this team, just talk about how fast they are now. It seems like that was something the Penguins utilized when they had their last turnaround, and now the Devils seemingly have that same success. It's a bunch of young, fast, talented players, but they're playing a really solid brand of defense now as well. It's a good mix, is it not?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to win 11 games, you need to have that mix. And what it reminds me of, Mets, it's also great to talk to you guys, too. I miss you guys all back in Pittsburgh. But uh, what it reminds me of is whenever Mike Sullivan came to the Penguins in well, 2015 and 2016 when they started really getting going, and they were just so much faster than every other team. They possessed the puck so much longer. you know. And when you look at the Devils and the way they play right now, that's a lot of what it reminds you of, that puck possession style. And, you know, you look at shots against, they're number one in the National Hockey League in the fewest shots against, and they're second in shots four. Yeah. So when you're, when you're that, those rankings, I mean, that's, that's puck possession. And, uh, and a lot of it does start in the defensive zone, and that's kind of what Tom Fitzgerald has preached to these guys coming into the year. He says offense starts in front of your goaltender. So it's a lot of the turnovers and the quick transitions and getting up ice. And the, and the Devils, uh, if you go by the, the special statistics people, the, the smart stats people in the National Hockey League, all of them will point that the Devils are the best team right now in creating off the rush. They've scored more goals off the rush and created more opportunities and shots off the rush than any other team in the league. And a lot of it is because of their speed, but it's also because of their transition ability. In the defensive zone, they've been really good at forcing turnovers and forcing plays. And when they get it, they are hungry and up on the attack. And it's been a couple of years, obviously, they've built this team around speed. This isn't, you know, the old New Jersey Devils of yore where they're sitting back and trapping and looking for those that kind of transition attack, this team is so much younger, so much faster, so much hungrier. And so anytime they see those opportunities, they pounce on it. And right now it's just going in for them.
3: Yeah. You know what? I was going to ask you about that rush uh, play that you just mentioned, Sam, because I think it was what, 18 goals or something that they've been able to score uh, in that situation, which was pretty awesome stuff. And you, you mentioned starting the offense from your goaltender out. And I think people didn't give Tom Fitzgerald, enough credit for identifying Vitek Vanacek as a guy that could be valuable to the Devils this year. I know they hope Mackenzie Blackwood might step in. But how big has Vanacek been at making a save to allow a defenseman to make a pass to start that breakout to kick off the rush play?
6: Well, he's been absolutely huge. I mean, there's no there's no secret that the Devils' biggest issue the last few years has been the goal-cutting situation we can go back two years ago, they signed Corey Crawford, who on the eve of the season retired. <laughs> and so Blackwood, unfortunately, had to carry the load. Um, that's something I've never seen before. And then last year, they go out and they're like, we don't want to have another retirement situation. They go and get Jonathan Bernier. And then before you know it, they lose Blackwood, Bernier, and Scott Wedge with their top three goaltenders in the depth chart, and they're relying on two 21-year-old rookies, and then they're pulling guys off the scrap heap, John Gillies. I mean, they got in the hamburger at one point. They were just so desperate just to have anybody play goal just to get through the season. And actually, it's kind of disappointing because you look at last year, a lot of the numbers, they played really well. A lot of the numbers are similar last year, but their goals against was so bad. I just think the goaltending really killed them or in any hope they could have. So again, going in this summer, goaltending, the top priority, knowing Bernier wouldn't still be healthy with that hip injury, uh, knowing they needed some help for Blackwood, hoping he could be healthy. Obviously, he's again, on the, uh, on the IR with an MCL sprain. So now that they can turn to a guy that can solidify that position, knock on wood, everything's okay with and It's not even just that he's been playing well, it's that he's there. They have a body, a legitimate NHL goaltender that can handle the reins. They don't have to turn to, you know, Akira Shmi currently is on the roster, and Nico Dawes led the team last year with 10 wins at 21 years old. They don't have to rely on those guys and, and burn out their, their development so quickly. So he's been absolutely awesome, and, and I think a lot of it's just the, the save they need at the time they need it—the timeliness yeah. of the save, as you mentioned, Matt. Um, because they have been really good defensively. You know, they, he hasn't. You know, there haven't been the breakdowns that they've seen last, in years past, where they turn the puck over clumsily at the uh, you know the opponent's blue line and give up these rushes and give up all these breakaways. And you know, a lot of the goaltending issues in the past couple of years isn't just death, it's also been the quality of shots they've seen. So they've, they've hammered down on those. When you look at Vanacek, it's funny because the first game he played for the Devils against Detroit in the home opener, he gives up five goals and gets just murdered in the game. And since then, he he hasn't stopped. He's won eight in a row. He's won the eight decisions, I should say. He hasn't started all eight. He came in relief for a game. But since then, he's been absolutely lights out. He's given them that big save when they need it, and he's given them the timely save. And when it's a 2-1 game and they're trying to preserve the lead, he's giving them that that save, that type of save. They're giving the game that they're trying to keep them in it. I mean, another thing that is amazing about this team is their first periods have been just really bad. And oh. they have their record right now, when they trail in a game, is 6-0. <laughs> so they, they, they've fallen behind in the first periods, but the goaltending advantage has given them huge saves in those first periods to keep it close game. So that's one nothing, 2-1. And then they've been able to turn it on the second, third period. And then pull out these victories somehow some way,
2: You know Sam, um, they're a classic example, the devils of you know an overnight sensation, like six or seven years in the making you know that that that's what always happens with these teams that are young and building through the draft and going through all those pains that you go through to get to where they are now. The light kind of goes on all of a sudden. I remember the Ottawa Senators were like that. they were get collecting all these really good players and they couldn't really move up in the standings. And then eventually, boom! They became one of the better teams in the league. They went to the Stanley Cup final against the Ducks, and we see that with the Penguins uh, in their development. You know, they 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 quickly uh, you know kind of turned it around, but it didn't seem that quick to the people who had to endure all the stuff that went on prior to the lockout. You know what I mean? So Lindy Ruff yeah. was uh, kind of on the hot seat because of that. Like you guys weren't it wasn't it wasn't coming together, and I think people were starting to think that maybe the Devils were never going to make it happen.
6: Yeah, actually. Uh... Funny situation there with Lindy, particularly at the end of last season. And I, You know, the fans, obviously, there's passion here with the Devils. They've won Stanley Cups, a lot of history of success, and that the fans kind of anticipate that and want that. And, and rebuilds are long. We, you know, we had, they had the one in Pittsburgh that took a couple of years when you're accumulating all these top picks, all these top talents. And you're right for the Penguins. I mean, that 05 season, you know, after the lockout, they just really stunk and then it seemed like the next year they were the, they won the division. So it, it did turn around really quickly out of nowhere, it seems. But as you said, Dougie, they were building for five years. And it was the same situation in New Jersey. Building all these pieces, putting all these pieces together. And Lindy Ruff, like I said, last year was like the goaltending issues. He lost Nico Heischer for a huge stretch. Jack Hughes only played 49 games. He doesn't have his star players. Dougie Hamilton missed 14 games. So yep. there were a lot of issues he was trying to manage around. And, and the I will say the patience of the fan base was getting really thin towards the end of the last year. And then there were a lot of high hopes coming into this year. And the Devils, ironically, they lost their first two games of the season. So, they I mean, they, they've only lost one game since. But they lost their first two games. And in the home opener, there were people chanting, Fire Lindy. I mean, it was going on. It was a very awkward situation, obviously. But the fans were very vocal about the Fire Lindy, Fire Lindy in the stands. Well, wow. fast forward. Here we are. In the ninth <laughs> game, of the winning streak of the last game, the home game, uh, the, the winning streak, there was another chant. And this time it was... Sorry, Landy. <laughs> so nice. Fans, the fans understood. Like, okay, <laughs> we kind of hammered this guy, and now he's making us eat a little dirt here. And the way he's been able to turn this thing around. So, and and Landy obviously he's been around the league so long, he understands the way things go. He had a good laugh about it after the game, and even said uh, in his post game, you know, maybe one day I'll sit down with the fans and have a beer, and we'll laugh about all of this. But. <laughs> But I said, he's a veteran. He knew he had a feeling it was coming. He knew that the fans were souring. But when you win 11 games in a row, those, those, those sours can uh, perk up real quick.
2: You know, I'm a big fan of Tom Fitzgerald. I'm happy for him. I am. I, he did a great job here in Pittsburgh. And I'm not surprised that he's able to, you know, was able to get to this uh, next level that the, the Devils are at right now. So then the question is, Sam, is it sustainable? Uh because, you know, people will say, ah, that's you know, a great start for the Devils, but where will they be at the end of the year? Right now they're leading the Metropolitan Division with twenty eight points. Carolina's six points behind them. The Penguins are eleven points behind them right now.
6: Yeah, I mean I can't obviously not gonna they're gonna lose at some point. <laughs> they're not gonna <laughs> win seventy games straight, but uh it's it is gonna come to an end at some point. But the thing that you want to set yourself up for is in Daggy Matt, you guys know this. The standings at Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, the standings at the American Thanksgiving don't change a whole lot. The teams in the playoffs in the top eight at the Thanksgiving mark are usually the teams that make the playoffs, maybe not necessarily in the same order. but the teams that are in, save one team that might fall out, one team might jump in. So I think the Devils, what they're trying to do here, is set themselves up as best as they possibly can early on and keep racking these wins up, because it isn't going to last forever. And at some point, if you can get to a point where you're I mean, if they rack up so many points, they might, might only have to play 500 hockey to get into the postseason. So clearly the, the, the goalposts have kind of moved. It's interesting because last year, heading into the season, the big thing that was coming from Tom Fitzgerald, Lenny Ruff, was we want to play meaningful games at the end of the year. This is last year. So They're like, we want to play meaningful games at the end of the year. Obviously, that didn't come anywhere close to happening. They end up with the four, second overall pick. But this year, coming in, there wasn't the same talk of we want to play meaningful games. It was more like let's just see what we've got. Like they did, I don't think they wanted to put the same kind of expectations on it. Even though I think they felt they had a really good team, they didn't want to set like the mindset of like, all right, we want to play, you know, meaningful games late in the year, try to climb to the playoffs. We don't expect necessarily to get there. But we want to be fighting for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this year, yeah, this year the way they've started, I think the expectations have changed in the room. And now I think, honestly, at this point, I think if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be a disappointment. Again, I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I'm not saying they're going to be a top seed. I think at this point they expect to be in the playoffs. And then, you know, one thing, as you know, too, Staggy and Mets, once you get in the playoffs, it's a whole other animal, whole other beast. There's a lot of guys on this team that haven't played a single playoff game in their entire career. It's going to be a huge learning experience. And I think the one thing Tom Fitzgerald also wants to address is, you know, the, the Devils are playing a fast and fun style right now. But as the Penguins learned that first playoff series against Ottawa, fast and fast and serious, it's all fun. Once the playoffs start, that's so difficult to play when you yeah, just a, grind it out. Yeah, different brand of hockey. Ab- yeah, yeah, and physically abuse you and, and all the things that go into the playoff hockey. So yeah, I think it's, it's going to be another learning experience for the Devils once they get into the playoffs. Again, I, I believe it will be this year. Uh, yeah. but I think once they get in, it'll be a little, little wake-up call there, a little learning experience, and something they'll learn from. I don't know that they'll you know, get bounced in the first round like the Penguins did. And then obviously, we you know, the Penguins the next year went to the Stanley Cup final. I'm not predicting any of that stuff. But I think it's going to be another huge learning curve for them. So can they sustain the wins? I think if they play 500 hockey, they're, they're certainly a playoff team from this point on. But once they get in the playoffs, I think, again, it's just going to be a whole other experience for them. It's something to learn from, something they'll be much better for next year. But it, 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 like I said, no matter what happens, this team's such a fun team to watch, just so high energy so high pace, so much offensive flair. It's just it's just been a great
2: run. Sam, thanks a lot. I think those numbers, those analytics you told me are are, are a good sign that the Devils are for real and not a mirage. Thanks, thanks a lot for being with us. We appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you December 30th when the Penguins play the Devils. We'll see you guys then. Can't yeah. wait for it. Sounds good. Thanks for being with us. That's Sam Kassan, former Penguin, uh, you know, Penguins uh, TV. He was Peng... Penn's
3: Inside Scoop. Yeah, yeah he, he was. He was, was Michelle. Yeah. Now he's
2: Devils Inside Scoop. <laughs> And uh, we will be back with our final segment in a moment on the Penguins Radio Network presented by S&T Bank.
0: Jim Shorkey gives Pittsburgh's hockey fans a Mitsubishi hat trick. Price, selection, and warranty. Grab the most affordable all-wheel drives on the market like Outlander, Outlander Sport, and the Eclipse Cross, or pre-order now and get it exactly how you want it. With trade values that are higher than ever, the time to upgrade is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Come find the Mitsu that fits you at ShorkeyMitsubishi.com. Let's go Penguins!
1: studying abroad was not even on my radar I always just assumed that that was not for me so now here I am in Italy studying abroad it really is one of the most amazing experiences challenging experiences something that you grow so much from that you can't really get anywhere else doing study abroad through Kent State you're gonna be in great hands it's one of the coolest things I've ever done in my whole life
0: Hey, students, did you know you can score great savings on Pittsburgh Penguins tickets through GetGo Student Rush? Take a break from studying and text RUSH to 412-534-6266 to score last-minute ticket deals sent directly to your phone. You must be a college student with a .edu email address to participate. Again, text RUSH to 412-534-6266 or visit PittsburghPenguins.com slash StudentRush to learn more about the GetGo Student Rush program today. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint. Located at Section 206 in PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and Heavenly Shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com. If there's a better place for world-class outdoor adventure or a better place to take in top-rated fall colors, we haven't seen it, but you should see it. It's all right here in West Virginia. Plan your fall trip at wvtourism.com. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented
2: to you by PPG Paints. Penguins in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Believe me, you don't want to be there uh, tonight. <laughs> I, mean,
3: I don't know. Where would you rather be? Uh, Winnipeg or in Western New York? <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're doing a good Winnipeg impersonation right now in Western New York. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's the first of another back to back for the Penguins. This will be five already. You know, and don't think that this schedule hasn't been a factor in how the Penguins have looked because it has been. They're not into a rhythm.
3: No, they're playing a lot of hockey, Stag. And I mean, that can be a good thing, but it's tough. I mean, it takes its toll on you. They've had their ups and downs with some injuries. And honestly, you know, and this just dawned on me when we talked about that. Let's not discount the fact because a lot of these guys, there was a sickness going through their locker room, too. A lot of the guys fought it off. But it's kind of like us, you know, when you, you get this congestion and things like that, you can't breathe right, whether it's a bad sickness or not. If you can't breathe the way you need to, that take that hurts your conditioning when you're out there skating around. We had guys miss games with sickness, others didn't. But I wonder if that took a toll. You're playing all this hockey, all these back-to-backs, and then you stir that aspect in.
2: Seven games in 12 days are in the midst of right now. Now let me give you a little something here to think about. <clears throat> the Penguins were 7-6-4 and four last year after 17 games. For 18 points. They've got 17 points right now, 7 7 and 4. So they're only one point off the pace from last year. But last year, after this point, they went 11 2 and 1 in their next 14 games. So they were 17 8 and 5 on December 18th. The next 14 games for the Penguins, uh, eight home, six away, including uh, these the three coming up. Now that, I wrote that down going into the Minnesota game. So it's the next 13 now. Uh, eight home, five away because they've played one of the road games. So Mm -hmm. 13 of the first 19 games uh, are on the road, eight of 10 at home, 12 of 17 at home before the Winter Classic. So that's pretty good. So they're going to start getting a lot of home cooking. And what's interesting is it occurred to me, the Penguins are playing the Devils on the 30th, and then the Bruins on New Year's, uh, day after New Year's, the Winter Classic. So they're playing the top two teams as of now in the league back to back at the end of the month
3: to kick off your uh, new year
2: essentially yeah. so
3: yeah. and but you know what though um you referenced the Hornquist Rock Bottom turnaround uh, against Detroit on New Year's Eve way back in 2016 uh, going into 2016 maybe you could utilize those two wins you're getting yourself righted leading up to that. Maybe those two wins would be nice springboards into a 23 campaign, you know, as you're coming down the stretch, that would really help this club. Do you think the Penguins have an 11, two and uh, one run in them? That's like they did last year. Could you see it based on some, some evidence that we've seen this year? I, I, that's the thing with the Penguins when they get going and they're playing the right way and you get the buy-in from top to bottom, they can beat anyone on any given night. And, it's going to require playing the right way, but yeah, I do think they can... I don't know that 11-2-1, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them rip off seven seven wins or get points out of seven straight games or eight straight games. I mean, they've done that so many times with this group of guys, so I think it's feasible for me, Stag. The only thing I fear is, think about it, they usually... This year was a little bit different. We've had those moments where October could be ugly. They fix themselves in November a little bit, swoon a little in December, and like maybe late December through January, just rip off a bunch of wins. Just historically, uh, without numbers, you know, just yeah. from the eye test. Then you get into the, like late January, February, and that's when the doldrum sets in, and they have that little bit of a, a dip again. And then they would always bloom in March going into the end of the season and be pretty good right before the playoffs. Which they
2: didn't do last year, no. by the way. They weren't no. good in March last year.
3: And because if you remember, the joke was always the flower blooms in March because even Marc Andre Fleury, when oh, he yeah. was their goaltender, he was outstanding to oh. end seasons. The March of the Penguins, right? They used to have that in the all notes the time. every time. Yep.
2: Well, we'll see. Every year's different, but I, I think the Penguins are going to be able to take advantage of that home cooking in December. I think that'll really help. It's too bad they have all those home games in December, and I'll tell you why, Mets. I know for my days of marketing, it's hard to sell tickets in December Yeah. because people are hanging on to their money for Christmas they have parties to go to and all that so Penguins uh, though hope the fans will come out I know they got a a good Black Friday uh, promotion coming up here and so uh, you know check check out the you know Penguins uh, tickets right now and some of the discounts that are offered and take advantage of it because the Penguins are going to be playing a lot of home games a lot of exciting hockey coming up at PPG Paints Arena right
3: yeah between November 23rd and December 6th you got yourself, I believe, it's six hockey games with only one on the road in that in that span, and they—that's a lot of home hockey to watch. And I think that's going to be a portion of the season where they can make some hay.
2: Winnipeg Jets tonight for the Penguins. Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow night for the Penguins. For Brian Metzer, I'm Paul Steigerwald. Talk to you next week on Penguins Live Weekly.
1: Whether hosting clients, rewarding employees, or celebrating a family milestone, experience the sweet life with the Pittsburgh Penguins individual rentals are now available and feature 16 tickets in a private pnc legends level suite catering parking and access to all ppg paints arena clubs visit www.pittsburghpenguins.com slash premium seating to view our entire vip lineup
5: life-changing is a nursing career where you have the power to take the lead and opportunities to make real change where you work alongside colleagues that care and see inspiration every day. Where you're celebrated for who you are and have the support you need for what matters most to you. Life-changing is being a nurse at UPMC. Explore your career options today at upmc.com nursing.
1: Hey, Penguins fans. Put some flavor in your season with Snapple. Here at Snapple, we are serious about flavor. Snapple's got tasty tea and real fruit flavors all mixed to perfection. So try some of our favorite flavors, including peach tea, diet peach tea, or Snapple apple tea at your local retailer. Snapple is the official tea and juice sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Put some flavor in your break. Make time for
4: Snapple. Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the National Anthem at a Pens game? Glidden Paint on Your Walls. Glidden Premium Interior and Exterior Paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great-looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins.